Welcome to the Generation BSC End of Summer Rewatch of Season 1 of the Babysitter's Club series on Netflix. For the next few weeks, watch along with us and revisit our thoughts on the series before Season 2 drops this October. We'll be back in the fall with our own Season 2 as well and can't wait to catch up with you all then. In the meantime, keep your eye on our social media for updates, and don't forget to email, DM, comment, or reach out. We love to hear from you all. See you this fall! I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Generation BSC is a episodic revisiting of the Babysitter's Club book series in order. Um, but for the summer, we are doing a mini series discussing each episode in the new Netflix series that dropped on July 3rd. And we are up to episode five, which is Dawn and the Impossible Three, which is obviously also book number five. Um, Lauren, why don't you give us a little summary of what this episode's about? So this one also sticks pretty close to the book plot. Um, In the last episode, we met, when Marianne met, Dawn, the amazing, incredible Dawn from California, as she (laughs) is so quick to remind us all multiple times. Um, And in this episode, we get Dawn's perspective. We get to learn a little bit more about her and what brought her um, and her mom to Stony Brook. And more importantly, she is trying to work her way into the Babysitter's Club by dealing with their most difficult clients, the Barretts. Um, Very similar to the book, Mrs. Barrett is flighty, although in a very different way, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, is a single mom with three wild kids and way over relies on Dawn um, for help. Uh, Dawn kills herself to do so, so that she can prove that she is worthy of being in the Babysitter's Club and Christie's friendship. But it turns out in a, it was a true moment of vulnerability that led to their bonding rather than Dawn's immaculate um, quiz knowledge of what temperature uh, constitutes a fever in both <laughs> the mouth and the bottom, as it were. So that's the basic overview. What do you think? How? What did you? What were your big takeaways from this episode? I mean, I feel like the biggest takeaways were all of the different family relationships, in particular the relationship with, relationships with fathers. Um, it's sort of a thread throughout the book, I guess the book and the series, but in this episode in particular, um, you know, we get introduced to the Barretts, like you said. Um, one sort of quirk of the episode is that the Barretts have been uh, clients of the club for a while, whereas in the book they're a new uh, a new family, and so no one has any idea. Whereas now, you know, everyone's like, "Oh boy, Natalie, she's the worst." No, none of them want to babysit for her and the Barrett kids. Um, which I guess another side note: the girls call all of the parents that they babysit for by their first names, which is so weird. I to made me. that note too. <laughs> like it happens so earlier, but like I- here, I'm just like, "What?" <laughs> like, no, it's Mrs. Barrett. It's not Natalie. I literally wrote down, call adults by first names, question mark? Um, Because like you said, it was something I'd sort of noted in passing Mm -hmm. before, but it wasn't until specifically the Natalie, because she's a client. And I literally, I have neighbors that I have known 25 years that I still call Mr. and Mrs. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many times they're like, call me by my first name. Can't do it. 
Just no. can't do it. Yeah. If if I knew you when I was a child, <laughs> then you're still Mr. or Mrs. or Miss or you know, Ms. whatever. Like, that's not changing. You're, you're not – even though I'm an adult, you're oh. still a bigger adult. <laughs> right? The kiddos do it to me too. I'm still Miss Lauren. I'm like, mm-hmm. you have graduated high school. Y'all are grown people now. You can just call me Lauren. I'm no longer working with you. Exactly. And still, Miss Lauren every time. Miss Lauren. Yeah. But yeah, getting so back cute. to like – three side tracks that I took myself on. Um, yeah. So I feel like dads are sort of the, the through line in this episode. We, we meet Natalie. We, again, at the end of the episode, the way that we did at the end of the book, we meet Mr. Barrett, um, who is less of a dirtbag here than he is in the books. Um, but so we've got that dad. Although he looks, Oh, he looks like a dirtbag, but he's not vindictively stealing his child as opposed to picking him up for a regularly scheduled swim lesson, which is a much more – and that maybe also is sort of a a good update for current times and, uh, you know, parental kidnapping is, you know, maybe a little bit less of a quirky thing as it maybe was in 1988. It probably would have been taken far, far more seriously had he taken them to be spiteful. He taken him to be spiteful exactly. like he had in the book. Um, I don't see that ending well for him. But yes, I was very pleasantly surprised because when I walked in, when he walked in, I literally wrote in all caps "douche" and about four exclamation points. Yeah, he does, he's um, not a good luck. But he immediately redeems himself. Like he is not rude. He is not pushy. I mean, granted, there are literal cops <laughs> and a, another adult in his living room. So, you know, coming in and being like, what are you all doing here? would probably not be the smartest play. Um, And uh, he was far less of a bad dad than he was in the book. So Mm -hmm. that was, um, I I did like that. Yeah. But speaking of bad dads, that's sort of the other part of the dad through line is we've got the counterpoints of Dawn with her dad who, you know, FaceTimes with him basically every day. And if not every day, they do a lot of catching up on the weekend as opposed to Christy and her dad. And she hasn't even talked to him in a year and a half, she reveals in this episode. And I feel like, and obviously that's sort of where we get with the Christy meltdown and the breakthrough with her and um, Dawn. But, you know, to get there, we go through a lot of different sort of versions of a father-daughter relationship or a father-child relationship um, between, you know, Mr. Barrett, Don's dad, Christy's dad, even Richard in this episode, um, you know, we see his relationship with Sharon and then, you know, dealing with, you know, different rules, different families when Don's cell phone rings when they're all mm-hmm. eating dinner together. And it's just, it's really interesting because in the the book of this story, there's not really as much of a sort of through line with all of the dad, you know, relationships and, you know, comparing, contrasting and seeing why Christy might be reacting as poorly as she is to everyone else's dad being there. And, you know, she says everyone else's dad wants to spend time with them. And my dad can't even, you know, send me a birthday card or give me a call once a year, let alone, you know, every day or coming to pick me up to go to swim lessons every weekend or, you know, things like that. And I think that's sort of an, an interesting and I think a, you know, good idea update from the book because mm-hmm. that's something that I think a lot of kids might be dealing with. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting for kids to see how families might be like theirs, but might be different than theirs. And, you know, how other people that they see in real life, how their families might be different and see how that might be affecting other people or themselves. You know, I, I just, I really love that they took the opportunity to show all those different sides of the, you know, all the different options of family relationships. 
I, I agree completely, especially because we really got to contrast um, Dawn's mom and Mrs. Porter, Sharon, and I just gave her every single name under the sun. I said it every way I possibly could. <laughs> we got to contrast Sharon with Natalie Barrett, who um, in the book, they're they're far more used as parallels, mm-hmm. where I feel like in the show they use are use Natalie more to um, as a foil to Sharon to show the ways in that while Sharon may be flighty and a free spirit, like we talked in the last episode, she is far less. Uh, how about this? Say I'll say it in a kinder way. Um, instead of what she's less, I'll focus on what she is more of, and that <laughs> is capable of functioning as a human being. But they really did, um, like I said, sort of change the character of Natalie in some really interesting ways because the the fundamental story is that she is fully relying on Dawn to take care of her kids and cannot cannot manage her life. And that has not changed. But the, the method of the type of character to create that um, situation for Dawn is totally different. Um, in the books – and now I did not go back and, and reread specifically, but my recollection is, um, and I think we sort of talked about it in the episode, that we envisioned her as kind of a young trophy wife mm-hmm. who got left and now sort of is in over her head and doesn't really know what she's doing and, like, trying to pretend like life is normal. And that's how we sort of got to that compassionate place for her mm-hmm. in the book. Um, and in the show, she's not that at all. Um, she's kind of the opposite. It's It's sort of – she doesn't quite – come out and say it, but I got the impression that um, one of the reasons the marriage split up is because they, Mr. Barrett may have been looking for something else that Mm -hmm. she wasn't anymore, or maybe she just felt that way. Um, But she does get, it was such a nice moment um, early on when Dawn is agreeing to take on the Barretts and, and take on Mrs. Barrett that um, she calls Christy out for being reductive Mm -hmm. and, you know, this, divorcee crap and while dawn is forced to recognize okay she it may be reductive <laughs> maybe a little more wrong. than that <laughs> right but little more than that but she is because dawn is able to come in with that perspective with that more compassionate um mm-hmm. attitude with a little bit more um open mind she's able to have that beautiful moment with mrs barrett See, I can't even call her Natalie. It feels weird. <laughs> if, I 100% agree. Um, Every time I use an adult name on this show, aside from Edie, for whatever reason, Edie and Watson, I'm comfortable with. Yeah, that's but, like, different. Even calling Mr. Well, especially Spear Richard. Ugh. Yep. Well, and especially my favorite part about the Edie part is it's not even her really her name. Uh, <laughs> it was but, her name in literally um, the first book, and we have – that has been drilled into our brain, and it's just stuck. <laughs> never letting go. Nope. Um, but in any case, it, it's Dawn's – who Dawn is, like that this open, empathetic nature um, that allowed her to have that moment with Natalie where she – Natalie has that moment of real vulnerability. And mm-hmm. I mean she turns it off right away. But instead of this, you know, young, in-over-her-head socialite, she's a um, – well, they call her middle-aged, which I – oof, rude. Right. Um, but um, she's – I would say – 40s maybe mid 40s if that guess if that young-ish 40 to mid 40s at the latest um but feeling like her life has passed her by Mm -hmm. and wanting to show her kids that she can make something of herself and and while we as an audience or dawn may find what her aspirations are to be silly um they're very very real to her and Mm -hmm. what she why they're her aspirations 
come from a really good place. And um, so I, I, I like that. I'm not sure how I feel about the the change from socialite to a- actress. I, I, I don't, I guess I just don't really know the intention behind it. Like, I, I think that that character type from the book would have worked mm-hmm. um, in the show just as well. Um, maybe, maybe not. I, I, I guess there's some. Well, but know. then we wouldn't have gotten I, I th- that, I think that it fake out of her recording oh, yes. <laughs> a, a, an audition where she's crying and saying like, oh, I didn't realize what I had done. So that you think that it's Don, you know, the conversation with Don where Don stands up for herself and says, look, I can't basically be the parent to your kids. When in reality, Don is helping her record her audition for a part where she has to, you know, have this heartfelt moment. But I would, I don't think that right. that's why they made her an actress, but it was certainly a very TV-esque bonus bonus of that being the case, yes. for sure. I did. That was a that was an equal part, like, groan and, and laugh yeah. moment where I was like, okay, 100%. well played, Joe. You I got agree. me there. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was an interesting. I, I guess there, I don't really have anything. There probably isn't some <laughs> major deep critical analysis behind it. They just changed the character type. Uh, but I, I just thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess... Um, one of the reasons it stuck out so much to me is because Mrs. Barrett is one of the reoccurring characters in the books that has really stuck with me. And it was mm-hmm. a really strong, um, not strong as in she has strength of character, but like a strongly written character that I very clearly remember who that person is and what mm-hmm. her deal is. Where if you asked me uh, what Jackie's mom does, uh, I don't remember. I, yeah. I don't remember She's, either. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Mrs. Yeah. Mrs. Barrett's definitely one of those characters from the book that feels more fully formed, particularly, and I think we sort of have talked about this with the show, with the the adults feeling like real characters and not necessarily caricatures mm-hmm. and being a little more well-rounded. I feel like in the book series, Mrs. Barrett definitely stands out because she is a character that is more fully rounded and we get a little bit more you know, multiple sides to her and we see her sort of grow as a parent and grow as an adult because, you know, in Dawn and the Impossible 3, the book, she's looking for jobs, but she's looking for, you know, quote unquote, normal jobs, not individual acting jobs. And so then she gets a job and, you know, she's trying to deal with like going to an office and, you know, getting ready for work every day and like scatterbrained in a different way. And so I feel like I would be interested, and I don't know if Mrs. Barrett ever really is going to come back, because I don't think she does for the rest of this first season. And I guess that's one thing I kind of miss about the books is or, or that I wish could have carried over while I understand that, that it couldn't. But, like, the reoccurring kids and parents, it feels like in the series, yes. it's very much like, you know, like in the last episode, it was Bailey's the new kid, that Bailey's the one that they're babysitting here the Barretts are the ones that they're babysitting. And, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, when they go to see City, it's the Pikes. And so it's like we get each yep. episode has a different family as opposed to, you know, Nikki Pike showing up to play with, um, you know, play with Buddy or like – and I, I was looking for one specific thing. So I did just a quick scan through the book yesterday. And I can't remember what I was even looking for, but I remembered that when Buddy goes missing, it's when Jordan Pike is going for his piano lessons. So he yes. sees Buddy outside. And so Jordan's there talking to the police and Mrs. Pike is there. And like here, the only we see, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Schaefer show up to help and we see the police, but we don't see any other kids. We don't see any other parents. And like Dawn calls Christy because she thinks that um buddy might have gone to play with david michael so we get christy to come help as opposed to like the kids in the neighborhood and it's just sort of um like 
from a practical perspective, I understand. You can't have, you know, a million cast members that show up for 30 seconds in every episode. But I do miss that sort of fully formed world and like universe of characters that we don't necessarily get as much on the show. 100%. I was thinking about that, um, that in in some of the ways it gets streamlined so beautifully, mm-hmm. one of the things that inevitably gets lost, because like you said, for purely practical reasons of, of casting purposes, for timing issues, but what we do get in the books are the other girls' side adventures that may not really add much other than flavor to it, but we get to see them babysitting other mm-hmm. um, kids. And, and in the show, it's really just about one babysitting job or one right. reoccurring babysitting job per episode, which... Yeah. Again, recognize the the reasoning for it, but it is just something that you miss in a book to film of any kind adaptation, some of those nuances. For sure. But I, I think that you brought up a really interesting point again uh, that we, we've talked about, about giving the parents their own plot lines and their own being fully formed characters. And I think that we – this is the episode for me that really – the first time I was watching through, that really clicked into gear for me, where we get to see Edie bonding with Sharon. We get to see Sharon and Richard's interactions. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, speaking of which, did you see Richard's face in the door when they like swooch goodbye and he's like walking away? He's It's the cutest thing. If you oh, haven't yeah. noticed it, go back and just watch that little scene. So cute. Um, Dawn um, gets to comment on the adult relationships and their interactions with each other. Um, and I think that that plays in really nicely when we're thinking about those the different relationships that the parents have to the girls um, based on their history and background and personality and et cetera. And we're also getting to see that play out in how the adults interact with each other. Like we noted last episode that clearly Edie and Richard have – some kind of history that mm-hmm. probably has come from Mary or Marianne being bullied by Christy over the years. Right. Um, and I really thought that the scene um, between Edie and Sharon was really, really nice. I thought Liz – oh, no, I did say Liz the right that time. Good. <laughs> um, but you did it in the same who knows sentence. Why my, you said Edie and Liz. My and brain like, randomly made back. that switch. Um, oh, I did write down Liz. That's why. I'm looking at my notes. Um, but in any case, I thought it was a really nice – Nicely done where I, I that Alicia Silverstone played so perfectly that that like, really? But mm-hmm. I'm going to support you. I mean, if that's who you're interested in. Right. That's great I think great we've that all been dating, there with friends but... before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I where we – him? <laughs> like a, a very um, <laughs> egg um, <laughs> moment. Um, but I thought that she did a really good job of – being respectful about it of being like, okay, you know, back mm-hmm. off. Like she was clearly ready to go like gossip and talk smack about him. But the second she was like, no, she was like, okay, reading the room, redirecting that attention, exactly. changing the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then she transitions to like the, the worst thing she can say about him is that, you know, he has his shirt tucked in like so tight and it's like, that that's, that's true. Exactly. And that's a very, that's very on brand and like feels like it's saying more than just what she's saying, but it's not it's not, you know, like the gossip be like, oh, boy, get a load of Richard Spear. Like, yeah, I love that. And it's not mean. It's mm-hmm. like it very clearly tells you who he is. It very clearly tells you who Edie is. It very clearly tells you who Edie believes Sharon to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a great little character note that tells you everything you need to know about those characters and, and how they react to that. Yeah. Um, and I think that – um, it makes sense to me in, in in a way that it didn't initially at first when the the changes with Sharon's character with with Dawn and her family. I was like, does this still make sense with Richard? 
And especially because Richard, as he's being played uh, by Mark Evan Jackson, is so much warmer and is he's a fussy, fastidious, like fuddy duddy. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of Fs. Um, but he's <laughs> but he's not it, it's he's not cold the way that right. Book Richard is, like we said. I, I think I've said in the past. Um, but I buy that this version of Sharon, flighty and open, but not a disaster um, would be attracted to somebody a little bit more buttoned up, a little bit more um, ducks in a row. Like, I feel like that, that that's a match that makes sense. Like, that's mm-hmm. a marriage that would probably work because if they didn't kill each other. Like, it goes one of two ways. Either they cannot handle it and they murder each other or, um, as we know for what happens in the books, that, that balances each other out. Um, and I, I think that that is um, part of what the girls are learning too about the strengths that they bring to each other. And I think that that's a really nice um, tie in to the scene that you talked about at the end where Christy and Dawn have that bonding moment where Christy's able to get real vulnerable about her dad. Um, and they're both able to recognize that they may be, um, you even brought up the quote earlier that Sharon says, different families, different rules, mm-hmm. you know, different people, different reactions different families, different experiences and relationships. But if you are respectful of where the other person is coming from, um, it can really lead to to really incredible relationship building, as we saw with, as I said, Edie and Sharon and Sharon and Richard and Dawn and, and Chrissy. I thought that was a really beautiful through line as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely support that. I think that might be a good transition to just sort of talk about Dawn and Christy generally in this episode because obviously like you just said it comes it ends in a very good place but it sort of starts with them well dawn's obviously even in the books she's not the confrontational one she's trying to fit in she's trying to make friends christy feels very possessive of marianne and of the babysitters club it doesn't help that marianne has not mentioned to christy that she's going to bring dawn to the babysitters club meeting so that immediately gets christy's hackles up and you know they're the girls are all talking about how they all need to babysit but like they're getting busier so it would be great if they had another babysitter in the club and you know that's why marianne brought dawn because dawn knows how to babysit she wants to join the club she wants to be friends with everyone christy you know takes the position of you know you're on probation maybe we'll see if you can make it in if you can can prove yourself and then natalie calls and that's the sort of impetus like okay here we go if you can handle the barretts then maybe we'll think about it and that sort of the whole episode is really dawn trying to prove herself to christy and then finally being able to do that and be there for her in this friendship moment at the end when they come to see that you know they're they're both and I think Don even says, you know, we both we're both women with big personalities. And I think that it's a really sweet moment that we get to see the two of them alone, you know, without Marianne, because I, I think that's something I've always loved in the books. And I'm sure I've said that as we've been reading through them, mm-hmm. like when when Don and Christy get moments alone, when they sort of see each other and get each other and you can see that friendship building and growing and getting stronger, like I I like live for those moments. Like obviously there's a ton of things that I live for in these books, but like those I think are some of the my favorite moments throughout the series that we've read so far and I'm sure it will continue. Did you have any thoughts about Christy and Dawn? Oh, about a million. But uh, the biggest <laughs> one is I fully agree with you. I love the um I, I too love unexpected character pairings or not unexpected necessarily, but like Less the obvious. people that don't get matched up often at, 
Yes, not as often. The, the ones that don't always have stories together. Yeah. I love to see the magic that happens there um, across different types of media. But um, yeah, let's. You were you were much nicer to Christy than I was in this episode. Basically, <laughs> she sucked for like ninety five percent of it. And as a Christy, it was not fun for me to watch because I definitely was like recognizing some of my own instincts and behaviors um, that I have. Thankfully, after many years of maturity and therapy, <laughs> have hopefully worked mostly kind of past. Um, but there's still that that need for control, that need to lash out out of fear, that need that um, insecurity that comes of feeling like I'm uh, losing my place either um, out of something that I've built or with a relationship. Like I, those those emotions are very familiar to me, and. I think in a weird way it also it made it worse because I did recognize them and I, I wanted her to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just watched her make the wrong choice every single time. And I was was so grateful that she did have that moment at the end that to to give her some redemption. Like obviously we knew the dad stuff was where that was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, that is information we knew from the book. She has mentioned it before that was the big fight with her and Marianne a couple of episodes ago and um Claudia and the phantom phone calls so i thought that was really a, a nicely threaded plot line and mm-hmm. i thought that the moment of really exploring that i loved that it was with dawn and that it wasn't with marianne and yeah. a, a similar to um like what what dawn was able to be for marianne last week um because she was outside because she doesn't know the story she has no emotional baggage with it christy's able to talk about it with her in a way um, that she probably can't with Marianne and um, Claudia, who knew her dad and right. knew her with her dad and um, were there for it. And sometimes you just need that outside perspective. Um, and I think sometimes – not sometimes. I think we all need a little bit of someone like Dawn in our life mm-hmm. who – her response to Christy isn't like doesn't like me is, I'm going to kill her with kindness and I'm going to, quote – namaste her into submission (laughs) yep i love that i wrote that down too (laughs) which i was like i think that is going to be my new um motto for how to win friends and influence people i'm going to namaste people into submission (laughs) it's such a perfect encapsulation of dawn that like badass power to the people damn the man save the empire energy um while also being i fully buy her as like into history crystals and healing mm-hmm. and like being one with the earth and um some of the more uh, mystical elements i don't know i i'm way too practical i want so badly to believe in stuff like that and i just i can't i can't do it it's I, I, like every time i'll go buy a crystal and i want so badly to feel something and i'm like no that, <laughs> nothing it's a, it's pretty um <laughs> sometimes that's all i mean but, if if you don't get anything out of it at least it's pretty you know like Crystals, sometimes exactly. crystals can just be pretty. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Like, not everything has Thank to do you. something. You're right. You know, like, own that for yourself. You don't have to be a woo-woo person. You can just like crystals for what they look like. You're right. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank that, you. And you anyone were, else that totally needs to hear that. my in that moment. <laughs> well, and I think that's yes. the thing that I really <laughs> loved about – I love that about – the way that they've sort of updated and tweaked her characterization because and I know over the past like books couple books we were talking about before we started talking about the series you know Dawn is 
sort of the heart of the Babysitter's Club. She's the best friend to Mm -hmm. all of the rest of the girls. She's that person who's there for you when you don't even know that you need someone to be there for you. And she knows the exact right thing to do or say to help you. And I feel like the show has done a really great job of sort of recognizing that and finding a way to implement that and use Dawn to the best possible ability. Um, And just, I really, I mean, Dawn's the best. We like flat out, we already know that, but like her, the version of her in this series is somehow even better than the best version of her in the books. And I just love that whoever was behind the scenes making Dawn into this version of herself definitely had some strong, strong love for that character and for all of the characteristics that they've added to her to sort of flesh out that, you know, California casual that we always say doesn't really mean anything. Like California casual, the way that they've fleshed it out here, it it she's a fully formed character and she's the best version of herself and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Um I like that they Instead of that California casual, like they said, uh, Marianne called her 90s alternative, mm-hmm. which, okay, yes, thank you. I, I was going more with streetwear, but <laughs> activewear. Um, but really quickly, that that's a great transition transition into fashion for this episode. Um, but before we do, I, I think as you were describing it, I realized what Dawn's incredible function within the group is she's able to be this feely empathetic therapist almost Mm -hmm. that is going to be the one that is going to ask the questions that is going to make people feel safe in order to have some of those vulnerable conversations um and and everybody needs that i think christy especially needs um someone who's going to be strong enough to handle it because i think sometimes um as much as christy revels in her role as marianne's heavy, I guess, for lack of a better word. <laughs> but Marianne's, you know, <laughs> protector. And she's always mm. been the one I like. I think she sees herself, defines herself in a big way um, around her relationship with Marianne and what Definitely. she brings to that table. And I think that because Dawn brings some of those things, that feels very threatening to Christy. Um, and so I like that like you said, strong personalities, but in a different way, mm-hmm. because you need someone like Dawn who is going to be willing to sit there and ask those questions and let you be vulnerable and, and, um, and be strong enough to take that. Mm-hmm. Because I think because Christie's feel, feel so strongly about that role in Marianne's life, it probably is hard for her sometimes to feel like uh, laying it on Marianne, especially since Marianne is so feely and so, um, empathetic in a different way where she takes it all on for herself mm-hmm. that I, I can see why Christy would be reluctant to talk too much about her dad. And then there's the layer of her dad just left. Marianne's mom died, right. like didn't want to leave and is no longer there. And so there's levels of complicated around that. So I I, I think that um, that sort of outsider perspective is, is hugely important. What I find fascinating, though, is we have that with Stacy mm-hmm. and – Stacy hasn't really filled that role at all um, for the group. So, but I I think that that's more because she immediately slotted in as um, Claudia's best friend. Right. Um, It's it's easier for her to find the space in the club. She doesn't have to. She doesn't have to. Dawn has to sort of make her own. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Love that. Um, Okay, so that was a a long-winded sidebar, but I I think. now is definitely the time to toss things over to you to talk a little bit more about the fashion from this week. So I feel like I maybe skimped a little bit last week because it was 
a Marianne episode, so she it felt like there was the same way that there is in a Marianne book. There was maybe a little bit more focus on the fashion, and I feel like here there's not maybe as much, and it might partially be because most of the episode is spent with Dawn at the Barretts, and there's not a lot of fashion from the girls there. But um, I did particularly love at one of the Babysitters Club meetings, Claudia is wearing this maxi skirt that looks like a it has a pop art print on it. I kept trying to like get a good screenshot of it because I was like. I can't tell what that is, but I was like obsessed with it. And I didn't even notice it the first time I watched Ooh. the episode. I I'm gonna have I to do not. a little more research. I'm gonna go back. It's it's really cool. I it might be a little much for even not even me, for me to wear. I can like we've talked about. It. I can wear some things that are out there. Like this might be a little much, but as always with Claudia, it works. Um she also, Claudia, of course, at some point is wearing a like hip length leopard print fur coat that Again, I don't think I can oh, pull it yes. off, but I want it so, so, so badly. Um, one thing I think is sort of interesting, and I'm not sure if she wears it in this episode, but I did note it in the last episode and forgot to mention it when we were talking about it. So Dawn consistently wears a necklace with a big D on the chain. Um, and I think, Lauren, you have a necklace like this. Um, and Alexis I was on just going to say, Creek. I have that necklace. Yeah. So it's like yep. the letter is – big and metal and it's attached like the chain attaches two pieces of the letter so the letter is part of the chain itself um but so it's it's a cool necklace like i I love when you wear it i love alexis on schitt's creek wearing it i love dawn wearing it but it doesn't feel particularly dawn to me and i don't know if that's just no i didn't try to either okay so it's not just me but i mean it, it almost feels like it might be something like her dad bought it for her so she wears it it's like her signature piece even though it maybe doesn't fit exactly with the rest of her style but it it makes sense but it also is like why is she wearing that i don't know it it sort of threw me off but now I'm like, yep, that's just part of who she is. That's that's her signature piece of jewelry. I, I had the same thought because I was just so surprised that the the one the very first piece that of my own that I recognized was on Dawn. Like that was just not <laughs> yeah. Like we don't have a lot of sartorial overlap. But yes, I when I it was very much when I saw it on Alexis, I was like, yes, okay, that makes sense. When I saw it on Dawn, I went, yeah, I la- oh, oh really. I also love Dawn's plaid winter coat and gray and red ski cap. It's like super cute. Again, not totally what I would picture for Dawn, but I also kind of feel like it might be a situation where she, her, she and her mom were like, oh, right, we have winter here. Like, let's go find what we can find. Yeah. And like, just sort of, it's not totally, again, not totally out of character, but like, not exactly what I would, if I were picking Dawn's winter coat. And hat. I don't know if it's exactly what I would pick, but it looks great on her. I love both of them. I want those too. <laughs> I want like everything that any of them wear. Like, I know. Let's be honest. I should probably just stop saying that. <laughs> I, well, that's why we have Fashion Corner, so we can gush over all the cute clothes that's that we want to steal from literal teenagers. From actual children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to steal yep. your clothes, children. That's what I'm here for. Um, I do also want to steal some of Richard's apron collection because that one with the turkey was, from last week was pretty spectacular and then this week sharon drops the bomb that he's got a collection of them um yes i want so, to know so everything about that i know i want like an instagram of richard's aprons throughout the seasons <laughs> i love it love it love it love it um let's do some stray observations shall we because i've got a couple of things that i like jotted down that don't really fit nicely with some of our big ideas for the episode um okay lay it I, on me 
this is so dumb and but I was so pleased to hear Christy get it right that mayo is the correct thing to make a perfect crust on a grilled cheese. Um, if you it also not makes it before, sense that Don wouldn't know that. Total makes sense. Especially, I was impressed that Christy knew what mayonnaise was. It is vegan mayonnaise. But I thought that was a fun little thing because it's something I do. Anyway, that one I pointed out. Oh, did you notice when Mrs. Barrett came home the first time, when Natalie came home and Don is sitting with the kids, how creepy those children were. Yes. It was such a children of the corn moment with the fake smiles. I literally got chills. I was like, ooh, I don't like this at all. What, <laughs> what did she do? wrong with those kids? <laughs> One thing that we didn't even touch on in this, um, and I have a couple things related to this storyline, um, Richard tells Marianne that she can redecorate her room. All of the girls get yes. into it. This comes up. This will be, you know, in a future episode. There's a lot more about this. Um, but so they they start sort of planning, and I think it's Stacy says like dove gray or acid yellow, and it's like those are not yes. choices for the same thing. <laughs> like one might be a trim and one might be a wall, not necessarily together in a bedroom, but like acid yellow is a very like it's like a pop of color. That's not like a wall, and she's holding up paint chips, and I was just like, that is. Those aren't, like, things you would choose between for the same piece of wall, carpet, whatever. My headcanon was she was trying to say something ridiculous to get um, – I can't remember who wasn't paying attention. But somebody wasn't paying attention. So I was oh, like, that, oh, I think Dawn might have been asleep was using, at that point. Oh, asleep. That was when she was asleep at that point. That's right. I was like, please tell me Stacy is using acid yellow as a way to, like, whoa, wake her up right. like the way you, uh, Pay you would attention. say. So I went to the moon yesterday. Right. Um, because I refuse to believe that this version of Stacey McGill would ever put acid yellow in Marianne Spears' bedroom. <laughs> and when later in the episode they're in Marianne's bedroom sort of trying to figure out what they're going to do and Sharon starts pulling down the border, which sets Richard off because we come to discover that Marianne's mom designed the room and decorated it. And so he's holding on. That's sort of the thing that he holds on really firmly to. He was cool with Marianne changing her look, but that he's not okay with. But while they're doing that... The girls are standing on Marianne's unmade bed in their shoes. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves in television and movies is like people putting their dirty shoes on people's beds, on people's couches, on people's coffee tables. Like I I have no words. Like I hate that because like I'm I I wear my shoes in the house. I'm not quite at the level of like take your shoes off as soon as you get in, but like your shoes go on the floor and only on the floor. Don't put them on my bed. Don't put them on my couch. <laughs> like, I have very strong feelings about this. <laughs> I also I, – we didn't really talk about this um, earlier when we were talking about, like, the adult relationships. We we sort of talked about them starting to date, but this was the end of them sort of falling apart um, mm-hmm. of Richard and Sharon. Um, and I I really see both points of view here. But I'm more on Richard's side because, whoa, talk about an overstep. Like, she just started dating this guy. She's met this daughter, like, twice. And she's coming in straight up pulling up things off the wall. I mean, I get that she's, you know, a free spirit. But I I think even a free spirit adult would know, hey, maybe this is something to ask the homeowner about before I start actually making physical changes to the property. Well, and especially because her excuse for why she did it was like, I just wanted to see if it would pull the plaster up. It's like, okay, well, you ripped off like an entire length along one whole wall. Like, that's not just checking if the plaster is going to come off. Like, take a chill pill. And 
if you were genuinely convinced that the plaster was going to come off, why would you yank like that? Exactly. <laughs> be very more careful, like look, just lift up a little corner and see what happens. So while Richard was definitely um, overreacting a bit, uh, as we said, for very understandable reason, mm-hmm. he definitely was not wrong to be like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? <laughs> exactly. Um, I haven't seen you in like... 30 years and then you just are busting into my house tearing shit off the wall right. no thank you <laughs> welcome back to my um, life please destroy my home <laughs> but i did like that um dawn ends the episode by recognizing that adults are just older weirdos doing the best that they can yeah <laughs> exactly so any other final club business nope. before we wrap it up okay well then why don't you tell everybody where they can Follow us, communicate with us, anything else? Absolutely. We would love to talk to you and hear from you. Um, we've been getting some really fun emails and having some really com- fun social media conversations. So make sure you get in on that. Um, you can follow us on Insta or Twitter at Generation BSC, or you can email us at generationbsc at gmail.com. Um, also, don't forget to rate and review us in iTunes. Um, I know it's podcast cliche at this point, <laughs> but it really does help with our visibility and helps us get to connect with more Babysitter's Club lovers. Okay. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this emergency meeting episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.